0: In the Gospels, it is not uncommon to read the words, Come and see. Uh, Jesus said it to people, the apostles said it to people. Uh, There is something real enough about Christ and Christianity that the best invitation is just come and see. And I can't think of a better time of the year for us to say to our friends and families who have lost their touch with Christ, I can't think of a better time of the year than Good Friday and Easter to say come and see. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Doc, they won't come. Stop thinking that way. You'd never know at what moment the Holy Spirit will capture somebody's attention and your come and see will make all the difference in the world. Can you hear that? I believe there are people who need to hear the Easter message next Sunday. And I believe if all of us would kind of look through the Rolodex of our relationships, there's got to be someone we could say this week, come and see. We've got some uh, things out there, and it's a little round coaster-looking thing that says, uh, uh, sit with me. That's a good way to say, come and see. Let's do this together, shall we? And I believe, I believe, with a gentle invitation, uh, of people will come and Christ will change some lives next week. Our dear Heavenly Father, I I want to think the best thoughts possible of Jesus Christ. I, I want Christ to be glorified in my mind. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would whisper to our hearts today and we could see the, the glory of Jesus Christ as our substitute. And I ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Last week, I told you the uh, Greek story of um, Alcetas uh, I'd like to tell you the Greek story this morning of Iphigenia. Uh, Agamemnon was the commander in chief for the Greek army that went to fight against Troy. But while he was waiting for all the Greeks to gather together, uh, he uh, went hunting. And while he was hunting, he accidentally strayed into uh, Artemis's sacred grove, and uh, he shot a deer there. They brought it back to the camp and roasted it, and uh, suddenly there was no wind anywhere. Uh, I could have taken a little of that yesterday, how about you? Uh, Suddenly, it was a dead calm everywhere. And uh, Agamemnon said, something's not right. So they called in uh, a uh, priest, and the priest said, you have offended Artemis, and she's taken the wind away, and you'll never get to Troy if you don't make it right with her. So he said, well, what does she want? And the priest said, she wants you to sacrifice your oldest daughter to her. Uh, when I read this story, there's something in me saying negotiate, negotiate. But Agamemnon is so ambitious He's so selfish and so vain. He doesn't negotiate. He just says, okay. Now, Agamemnon is married to a woman who uh, is not um, easy. She was a strong woman named Clay And he knew he could never say to her, bring Iphigenia here, I'm going to sacrifice her. So he did the Agamemnon thing and lied, and he told his wife and his daughter that he had arranged a marriage with Achilles, and that if uh, if Clytemnestra would bring Iphigenia, they would be married before uh, they went to Troy. They think they're going to a marriage ceremony, and in fact. Agamemnon has it all set up. And he sacrifices his daughter on the altar to Artemis. It's called a tragedy. It leaves everybody in here a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? The man's ego, the man's ambition... The man's uh, desire uh, for uh, a, a recognition blinded him, and he sacrificed his oldest daughter to his ambition. About 60 years after uh, Homer wrote the stories of Troy, a prophet in Israel named Isaiah began to preach and write poems. You can read his poems in the book of Isaiah. One of his poems is called The Poem of the Suffering Servant. You can read it in Isaiah 53. He writes a poem about a king who is the exact opposite of Agamemnon. This king sacrifices himself for the glory of his people. This king sacrifices himself to redeem his people. This king accepts the insult, the indignity, and the tragedy of a terrible death so that he can forgive sin And prepare us all to live in his kingdom. This is part of Isaiah's poem. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed. For our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Still, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We have been studying. Uh, who Christ is to us. He is our intercessor. He is the one who sympathizes with us. He is our judge. And this morning we're going to look at Jesus Christ as our great substitute. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Do you understand that Christ meets us in our griefs and in our distresses? Sin always causes grief. Because grief is connected to guilt. And what am I supposed to do with the grief that my sin causes me? If you are at all aware of your inner self, then you are aware that your failures and the sins of the past create an inner grief in us that lingers. It doesn't seem to go away with the passing of the years. Why is it I can remember some stupid thing I did in high school and I still feel grief over it and it happened 50 years ago? There is always a lingering grief connected to sin. In fact, if you read the Gospels, Judas was affected by the grief of his sin. And he went back to the priests, and the silver that was so important to him, the silver that he so much valued, he he said to the priest, I have sinned and betrayed innocent blood. And they said, That's your problem, buddy. And overwhelmed by grief, he threw the silver on the floor and went out and hanged himself because he could not endure the grief that sin had created in his heart. Guilt and grief lead to self-destructive behaviors and attitudes. And so we have to do something with this grief of sin. And what I believe the, 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 the prophet Isaiah is saying, there is one thing to do with the grief of sin. Every time you feel it, you lay it down again to Jesus Christ. Because he is the one, surely he bore our griefs. Can you see this, church? Uh, The forgiveness of Christ is more than a legal idea. The forgiveness of Christ is a psychological experience where I take the grief that I am not capable Of processing, and I surrender it to Christ, and surely He bears our grief. Sin causes distress. What do we do with this distress? Uh, What do we do with this this anguish? Uh, This anguish, this distress is a, a mental distress. It's a continually thinking about the consequences. Have you ever done something wrong and then thought about all the potential consequences? Huh? I'm afraid this is gonna happen. I'm afraid that's gonna happen. Uh, uh, okay, that is, that is the anguish and the distress that is, uh, that is represented in, uh, in Isaiah's poem. Uh, we process again and again. Uh, uh, what are the consequences of this? Uh, what might happen? Uh, uh, what do? We, how do? What do we do with that? Well, we can just play that over again and again in our heads, or we can say, "Surely He has borne our sorrows and carried our distresses." I can surrender my distress to Jesus Christ, my great substitute. He is willing to accept it and he can process it in ways that you and I can never process. So what does this look like? Instead of me having a vague idea of what forgiveness is, I have an actual process that when I remember the grief. And when I feel the anguish, I stop and I quietly say to Jesus Christ, Surely you have borne my griefs. Surely you have carried my anguishes. And I am surrendering this to you one more time. I am, uh, I am acknowledging that this is more than I can handle but it's not more than you can handle. And we surrender our griefs and our anguishes to Christ afresh. There is an emotional distress. Uh, you can feel it in your stomach, can't you? Are there any sinners left in this church? Uh, 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 uh. I get annoyed at something. I spout off in ways I shouldn't spout off and then uh, uh, 10 minutes later I get that sinking feeling in my stomach and go you idiot church you feel it in your gut don't you All right, I do that is the emotional anguish what can I do with that well I can just endure it or I can say this is a trigger that Christ draws near to me in my emotional anguish. And I say to him, oh Lord, I ask one more time that you meet me in this emotional distress and that you grant me grace and peace and well-being. And then there is spiritual distress. Spiritual distress is what we feel when we have that sense that I have disappointed God again. Anyone? Uh, That sinking feeling that I have disappointed God again. That I said I would be a better man, and I didn't live up to it. I said I would never miss a good chance to shut up, and I did. Uh, And you have that sense of spiritual distress, This is where Christ meets his people. Christ meets us, and he says, Surely I can bear your grief. Surely I can carry your anguish. I am your substitute. I am willing for you to cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. I release the grief and the distress to Christ I repent, and Christ bears and carries the burden and the grief of all of this, and he resolves it on the cross. And then Isaiah said, we, uh, we looked at him, and we considered that he was uh, uh, afflicted, smitten by God. We have to consider that forgiveness isn't free, church. We have to consider that the sin that I give to Jesus Christ it caused him uh, pain. Do you understand that? It caused him sorrow. The, the word that's translated from the Septuagint literally means the pain that is caused by hard work. Uh, now Back when I was a younger man and I had to uh, do manual labor, I, ha- I have worked until my body aches so much I couldn't fall asleep. Have you ever been there? You just work so hard and, and you just you're, but everything hurts, and you can't stink and fall asleep. The pain of hard work. Uh, I'm sorry, some of you still have to do that. The Lord be with you. Uh, uh, church. Uh, that's the word out of the Septuagint here the The pain that follows after having worked as hard as you can possibly work. What does it cost Christ to carry my griefs and sorrows to the cross? It caused him the pain that comes after exhaustive hard work. There's a second word there, and and it's the word for beatings. It's the word for actually... uh, uh, we get our English word plague from it, plague, but it's uh, commonly associated with severe beatings. Uh, what does it cost Christ to carry my griefs and my anguishes? He was severely beaten, church. The Romans beat him mercilessly. He shed blood in his beating. It was part of of his work as the substitute the beating I should have to take Christ took for me he carried my griefs and my anguishes and they tied him to the whipping post and every lash was Christ saying I love you so much I will bear your beating church We have to consider, uh, the, the, the third word is a, a word that literally means to be treated very badly. It's kind of a general word for everything Christ went through on uh, 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 Easter week. Uh, he was treated badly. Uh, uh, he's telling his disciples, uh, I'm about to go to Jerusalem. I'm gonna be betrayed. I, I'm going to be given over to the, uh, 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 the Romans. They're going to crucify me. And you know what his, his guys are arguing about? Which one of them is the greatest? Jesus' heart is saying, I'm going to go through something very miserable. They said, oh, okay, fine. Uh, which one of us are the greatest then? That's just poor treatment, church. He was betrayed by Judas. Judas. Uh, He was denied by his friend Peter. He was treated poorly, church. And the the prophet Isaiah is saying, when you think about how poorly he was treated, I want you to connect that to, that is what he had to do to bear your uh, griefs and uh, to carry your sorrows. That is what he had to do to take upon himself that which we can't bear about ourselves. I did the sins. Christ accepted the anguish. I did the sins. Christ had the pain of hard work to forgive them. I did the sins. Christ took the beatings. I did the sins. Christ suffered the bad treatment. You see, he's my substitute. That is exactly what it means for Christ to be the substitute. We did the wrong action. He accepted the consequences for the wrong action. And now we say to him, you have already accepted the consequences for my wrong action, and I am casting all my cares upon you because I know you care for me. You've already proven it. And then we get to verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. The word, uh, or uh, pierced. He was pierced for our transgression. In the Septuagint, the word for pierced is a uh, traumatazo, trauma, do you hear it in there? We get our English word trauma from this word. So with your permission, I'd like to say, he was traumatized for our transgressions. Uh, what happened on Good Friday? What happened on uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Our great Lord Jesus Christ was traumatized for our transgressions. Can you hear it? Now I want I I I want to make this point. I can't take the anguish and the distress of my own sin. It bothers me. It annoys me. uh, uh, It's unpleasant to me. And I'm just I just got one person's worth of guilt. Church? I got one lifetime of mistakes. When Christ took our place, he took the place of all the elect, and can you imagine the trauma of millions of people and the guilt and, and the anguish and the distress that goes along with all those lives of mistakes? If he was just traumatized for a few, that would be bad enough. But he was traumatized for millions. He bore the sin of all the elect. Church. Now, I want to think, when I, uh, when I uh, uh, have done wrong, and I feel like hiding from him, I want to think, he was traumatized for my transgression. He has already, he has already endured the unendurable. Uh, I can trust him. I'm going to return to him quickly. I'm going to seek his face. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to repent and turn to the Lord. Church, don't stay away from home. Come home. And then it says, he was crushed for our iniquity. The burden of all this was crushing to his soul. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ accepted the chastisement that allowed us to be at peace, that allowed God to be at peace with us and brought us peace with God. And more than that, it brings us peace with ourselves. I have one way of dealing with the ugly dude that hangs around with me. I have only one way. And I take that ugly dude to Christ, and I say, surely you have borne my griefs and my sorrows. Surely you were wounded for my transgressions. Surely you were bruised for our iniquity. Surely the chastisement of my peace was upon you. And I am surrendering this person to you one more time. And I'm asking for the peace that only Jesus Christ can give. You see, church, that's practicing our faith right there. That is living out our faith right there. With his wounds, we are healed. This word for wounds is um, the uh, breaking open of the skin that happens when you're beaten. It's a very picturesque word that when you're beaten and it breaks the skin, you're wounded by being beaten. That's this word. is it interesting? Christ was wounded so I can be healed. Church, I was wounded by my own sin, but Christ was wounded so I could be healed. Now please listen to this. Living in a world traumatized by uh, the remembrance uh, and the anguish and the distress of sin was never God's best idea for us. He wants there to be a healing in our souls. He wants something in our souls to be healed. He wants us to have a sense of strength and well-being. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And how is that found? It's found in Jesus Christ. In Christ, God heals what is broken in the human soul. In Christ, God restores what was wounded in the human soul. In Christ, God sets us free from the tyranny of anguish, distress, guilt, and shame. But I have to go to the source. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Ah, In the feel of the poetry, uh, I like to add the word still. Uh, He was wounded for our transgression. Yes, I know that. He was bruised for our iniquity. Yes, I feel that. Uh, The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Yes, I understand that. And with his stripes we are healed. Oh, 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 how powerful that is to my soul. But still, after knowing all of that, still all we like sheep have gone astray. Do You hear this? I'm not just haunted by the the wrong things I did in the past. I'm haunted by what stupid thing am I going to do this week? Huh? What new way am I going to find to mess this up? What stupid thing am I going to say that I wish I wouldn't have said? What stubborn thing am I going to do that I wish I wouldn't have done? Church, after knowing the wonder, the majesty, the beauty of Christ, after knowing that he was traumatized for my transgression, knowing all of that, having gone to him again and again and claimed his his substitutionary grace, still, All we like sheep go astray. There is something that is incomprehensible about Christ. After everything he did for us, he knows we're still going to mess it up. Guess what? But he's still a good shepherd. I don't stop being the sheep because I go astray. I become the the 99 uh, got left in the wilderness and Christ had to come out and find me, pick me up and put me on his shoulders and carry me home, church. We go astray in our thoughts. If you're not careful, you can spend a whole week and never think about Jesus Christ one time, church. If you're not paying attention, you can go a month and never really have a quiet conversation with Jesus Christ. We go astray in our thoughts. We think about this and we think about that. We memorize this sports to that and, and, and we learn this and we learn that and in, the, and in the bustle of life, we go astray we ask ourselves, When was the last time I had a serious, thoughtful conversation with Christ? And we have to say, all we like sheep have gone astray. We go astray in our emotions. We begin to love other stuff more than we love Christ. Church, the great commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That is number one. Nothing else is even a close second. But if we do inventory on our souls, how often is it that we find that our love for Christ has slipped? That our appreciation for this and that, our longing for this and that, it's moved too high up on the list And every time it crept one thing higher, Christ dropped one level lower. And we reach points in our life that we have to admit we have gone astray in our love for Christ. And we're not even sure what it's supposed to feel like. Church. We go astray in our thoughts and emotions, and then we go astray in our behaviors hear this? Your behavior is going to follow what you're thinking about and what you love every single time. And then we go astray in our souls. And Christ becomes uh, a nice idea that is peripheral, that is not absolutely necessary for my daily life. Even though I know he was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. The whipping of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Church, are you hearing me this morning? How does the Lord deal with us straying away from Christ? Uh, we fear that it makes him angry. We fear that it annoys him. We fear that it will bring uh, his displeasure down upon us. But listen what Isaiah says. How does the Lord deal with me going astray? The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The iniquity of me going astray from Christ after knowing how good he has been to me God doesn't even lay that on me. He lays that on Christ. Christ is so wonderful, he accepts the penalty for me going astray after I know how good he's been to me. Church, this is our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one who is at the heart of everything that makes Christianity Christianity. This is the one that we're supposed to focus on this week, uh, when we think about a Good Friday, and when we think about uh, Easter Sunday, and, and when we think about who Christ is and what he means to us. If there's ever a time for us who have gone astray to reconnect with the majesty of Jesus Christ, it's a week like this coming week. Don't waste it, church. Do not waste Holy Week. Set an agenda for yourself. Have special Christ time in your life. Make it an important issue that you're going to reconnect with Christ in a powerful way in your thinking. Make it an issue that I'm going to reconnect with an emotional love for Jesus Christ. Make it part of your thinking that I'm going to do the kind of things this week that make me feel closer and more intimate with Jesus Christ. Make this week a week of the soul where you draw near to him and he draws near to you. I want to ask you, are you here this morning wondering if you've ever surrendered your griefs and distresses to Christ. Some of you have this idea that somehow or another you'll balance this all out in the end. You'll make it right. You can't make it right yourself, church. It's not possible. There's only one hope for us, and that's that we believe that Christ is who he said he is, and we surrender to him our uh, griefs and our anguishes. Have you ever done it? Have you ever trusted him with what is worst about who you are? Is your peace and healing created by Christ's piercing, crushing, beating, and wounds? What is the source of your peace? Some of you are looking for peace in all the wrong places. It can't be found where you're looking for it. The peace that your heart is... The peace that your heart is longing for can only be found in the gracious heart of Jesus Christ. We studied some time ago, Jesus said, my peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. The human soul so longs to escape anguish and distress and live in the clean air of peace. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the source of that peace. Every heart in this room has been wounded. Every heart in this room has been self-wounded and wounded by others. There isn't a, there isn't a, there's not a pill you can take for a wounded heart. Uh, there, there, There isn't a process that replaces what only Christ can do by his healing grace. Uh, The healing that your soul needs. You're, 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 You're not gonna find that apart from Jesus Christ. He is the great healer of the human soul. If you're straying, will you return today to Christ? he's already proven to you he's trustworthy. I'm not talking about in an abstract way. I'm talking about in your heart of hearts, you say to Jesus Christ, I have gone astray, but I want to come home. In your heart of hearts, you say to Christ, my thoughts have not been healthy. I'm making new room for you in my thinking life. In your heart of hearts you say, I have fallen in love with that which is not valuable. But today I'm returning my heart to the great lover of my soul. Church, you simply in the stillness of your inner self, you speak to Christ and you cast all your cares upon him, believing that he cares for you. We all have family and friends who are living under the tyranny of sin. We all have it. Uh, 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 They have been wounded by their own sin and the sin of others. Uh, These wounds have uh, lingered and festered. And now what we see is patterns of self-destructive behavior. Patterns of self-destructive behavior. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it is just a basic inability to uh, get along with anybody. Maybe they've given up. Maybe Maybe they just checked out. But we have family and friends who uh, desperately need the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, church. We have family and friends who cannot survive their self-destructive behaviors. They need our Lord Jesus Christ. But they can't find him. They've lost their way. They have no sense of him. And so what they need is for you and I to meet them where they are most broken. And instead of giving them a lecture, we need to say to them, he was wounded for your transgressions. Our Lord Jesus Christ was wounded for your transgressions. We need to say to him, them, he was crushed for your iniquities. We need to say the chastisement of your your peace was upon him, and we need to say, with his stripes you are healed. We need to take our family and friends with a gentle spirit and a kind heart to the great physician, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is able to heal the brokenhearted, the one who is able to forgive the sin that we feel is unforgivable. The one who is able to restore the heart that everybody thinks is unrestorable. The one who is able to convince the mind that we think is unconvincible. We don't have to argue with anybody. We don't have to plead with anybody. Uh, 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 We have to say, uh, I know someone who can help. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ come and see, come and see what Christ might do for you. Our dear Heavenly Father, oh how magnificent you are. Oh how wonderful you are. Oh how my soul finds peace and well-being in your presence. And so this morning I'm praying for myself and everyone who's in this room and everyone who's online. I pray that we would do exactly what Isaiah taught us to do. I pray, Heavenly Father, that in this moment we would bring our griefs, our anguishes, our sorrows, our brokenness to you. And we would say, surely you have borne our sorrows and carried our griefs. Surely you have already paid uh, uh, the price uh, for our uh, redemption and healing. And could we uh, draw near to you one more time and receive the peace and healing that comes from the heart of Jesus Christ. May your Holy Spirit compel us